Hi there, I'm James Dapache, and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Team, today we are going to have an exciting chat about a unit trust that operated a dental practice. And essentially, uh, what we have is an arrangement between one dentist and another. The entity or the company uh, controlled by each dentist would become a unit holder in the unit trust that was then controlled by a unit trustee. And the way I've explained it probably makes it sound more complex than it is. Essentially, we've got unit holders in a unit trust. And if you don't know what unit holders in a unit trust are, there are some people who say it's basically shareholders in a company. Those people are wrong, as the court explores today. But there is a loose analogy. Let's march on. What happens? Well, one of the unit holders tries to exit out of the arrangement. They want to sell their units and get out of here. Now, the agreement between all of the relevant parties has a clause allowing an exit if you send off a notice and then the purchase of your units or the exiting unit holders' units will take place pursuant to a valuation. There's an argument that arises about the valuation. So, first step is our trustee, the entity that's responsible for running the whole unit trust, seeks judicial advice. We've spoken about this a number of times. Section 63 of the Trustee Act uh, in New South Wales allows a trustee to come to the court and ask a yes-no question. And our frustrated unit holder applies to stop that application to put a stay on it and fails. So the trustee goes on and gets uh, judicial advice. And based on that judicial advice, the trustee goes on to instruct a valuer to go perform a valuation. Now, our disappointed departing unit holder makes another application to the court. And that application includes what's called a separate question determination. And a separate question determination is precisely what it sounds like. It's where uh, you're in a big dispute with the other parties and you highlight one little issue that you can apply to the court to have that particular question answered. Uh, and the reason you would do that is, you know, if it's a really important little issue that can sort of solve all the other elements revolving around it. And there are a number of other reasons to do it as well. In this case, the question was, can clause 7.8 uh, bind the valuer's valuation. I'm putting it loosely, but essentially, what is the impact of this clause, clause 7.8, on the valuation of the unit holder's units? What's clause 7.8 and who cares, right? Clause 7.8 says that if the trustee is to make a decision uh, on a major policy issue, and a major policy issue is dealing with an asset uh, worth over 50 grand. So if a trustee is going to make an over 50 grand sort of decision, the trustee has to get the unanimous approval of all unit holders. Right? And so what our grumpy unit holder is saying is that, all right, value it. When you're preparing your valuation, you've got to bear clause 7.8 in mind. And so the separate question determination is essentially, is, is that suggestion right? And at first instance, the court says no. No, it's not right. And so our frustrated unit holder appeals that decision. And our frustrated unit holder comes to the Court of Appeal and the Court of Appeal works through all of the relevant arguments. And I should say, in working through the arguments, has some criticism to make uh, about analogies in the things that the party said that analogise a unit trust to a company. So, as I might have said earlier, as I think I said and intended to say earlier, a unit trust you can think of 
uh, is a vague analogy to a company, but you should know they are very different things and uh, you don't have to take my word for it. You can take the word of the Court of Appeal and uh, a very well composed bench. So the Court of Appeal is left to look at what does clause 7.8 do and does it affect the valuation? Well, essentially what the court does is work through what clause 7.8 does and clause 7.8 uh, requires that if a trustee is to make one of these major policy decisions, they need unanimous approval from the unit holders. And so, as we've said, our frustrated departing unit holder says, well, of course, if that's been breached, if we don't have unanimity, that should be considered in the valuation, right? So the valuer should bear in mind any breaches of clause 7.8. Now what the court says is that's wrong. The court at first instance and then on appeal says clause 7.8 is about the trustee's decision-making process and it's not about the effect of the decision-making process. And so the court says the valuer's valuation pursuant to the valuation clause in the agreement is about the effect of whatever transaction the trustee goes into. It's not about the decision-making process. And because this separate question determination was about the really fine issue of what does clause 7.8 mean, the court gives the answer. Clause 7.8 does not interfere, is not relevant to the valuation process. And so our departing unit holder is left, left in a position where um, they cannot further progress their frustration with the process in this litigation because it became a separate question question and so if they want to go and ventilate a breach of trust if they want to go and challenge the underlying validity of the valuation they can go and do that but they failed in their attempt to have the clause 7.8 issue undermine or challenge or even become relevant to the valuation. And so what we have here is quite a finickety little construction or drafting argument, but uh, I think it points in a number of directions, uh, including the importance of sort of uh, forming a strategy when you're litigating, and includes the importance of you know reading the fine print when you're entering into agreements. I guess that's a little trite. Hopefully it's also a bit valuable. I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and another case note. Cheers.